0: Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today on Housing Wire Daily, I'm joined by Managing Editor James Kleiman to talk about what's happening at the big lenders, and specifically with UWM and Rocket. James, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Sarah.
0: It is always great to have you, of course. And we are right in the middle of earnings season, which is super fun. We're, we're tracking the lender profits. And this morning, uh, Flavia Furlan-Nunez um, posted a story about UWM post stronger profits than Rocket in Q2 2022. This is a rivalry for the ages right here. <laughs> uh, so would love to uh, hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, this, this one, honestly, a bit of a surprise. Uh, you know, Rocket for so long has been such a dominant force in mortgage lending and and they, they've always posted incredible profit numbers. They've, um, you know, always been a really um, well-regarded company, really, really strong performance. And I, I can't think of the last time that Rocket um, was not as profitable in a quarter as UWM. Uh, of course, you know, they, they have different ways of making money, Rocket mostly known for their, uh, retail presence. You know, a lot of consumer direct, everybody's seen the rocket commercials, right? UWM kind of a different animal. They only do wholesale rocket also does wholesale. And, um, and, and you know, you may remember a year ago, Sarah, when we talked about, Hey, this environment is not going to last forever. Like this is not going to be, you know, the, um, the nirvana that goes on for five years. Like it, it is going to change. And the question at the time was, how adaptable are some of these lenders? You know, I mean, if if you have an operation that is very much focused on uh, refis, if you have an operation that is heavily focused on uh, consumer direct, where your LOs and your staff are really not um, as involved in in kind of the purchase process, as um, you know, as as uh, kind of a broker centric model, you may struggle and. We also knew that at the time you know if volumes were going to drop, then the industry would have to shed a lot of jobs and so we're we're now at this really interesting place where we're like right smack in the middle of of kind of this big drop you know like i I don't know of any lender in the second quarter that said, "Oh, you know, we had a great quarter, everything is going fine, we're doing great, we're extremely excited about their directory uh pretty much all that said like we're 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 bloated. We have all these costs. We are selling MSRs. We are looking at ways to, you know, drum up new business. Uh, we're looking at ways to, you know, either expand our advantage and purchase or or really get stronger there because this is where the money is, this is where the originations are, and and we have to do better. And and so, you know, Rocket has has talked for a long while about how there are really experienced. Uh, you know, group of leaders who have been through every cycle in mortgage and they'd be well prepared. They would do great, you know, in, in, in any cycle, or they'd at least do well in any cycle. And, and so Rocket posted a $60 million profit in the second quarter. They did not lose money. They are still a profitable company, but they had to cut costs by $300 million. And when you think about where they were even a quarter ago, it's a huge drop. They made a billion dollars in profit in the first quarter and they dropped down to 60 million, you know, like that. And so it's, it's just massive. And their origination volume dropped to about 34 and a half billion dollars in the second quarter, which is still at the top of the leaderboard. You know, Wells Fargo was number two right around there. I think they were just at about 34 billion themselves, but Based on today's earnings call, UWM is very quickly closing that gap. So they originated about twenty nine point nine billion in the second quarter, and the mix was about seventy five percent purchase. And Rocket doesn't break out, you know, the the percentage of of refi versus purchase. But um, you know, if you read between the lines, it, it sure looks like um, they they didn't hit the numbers they're used to achieving. And so it really kind of sets the stage in a lot of ways is there a realistic possibility that UWM catches Rocket at least in origination volume. You know, and and so they've spent the last quarter and a half really dropping their pricing considerably and 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 kind of daring everybody, hey, you know, if you want to get down on our level, if you want to offer this kind of um kind of business, then then this is what you need to do to get it. And a lot of lenders just can't, they can't match that cost structure. They can't drop, you know, 50 to 100 basis points without really suffering. And UWM, you know, their, their margins in the second quarter were still at 99 basis points. They're going to drop significantly in the third quarter now that this pricing war is really in full swing. Um, but their perspective is, look, we're going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars, but we're going to make billions of dollars because we're going to eat a lot of lunch from other lenders and we're going to win a war of attrition. And, uh, you know, not not a lot of lenders can do that. Um, and not a, lender's, not a lot of lenders have investors that are comfortable with that because UWM structure, you know, like the HBF family basically controls the stock. They own like 94% of the company or something like that. Like they don't really need um, someone's blessing. They don't have a private equity overlord that says, you know, like that's a great idea, but, uh, we need returns. You know, we, we, we don't want to do that. We don't want to get a haircut. Uh, you know, and so it's, it's really now becoming a really, really interesting, uh, race because UWM is, they're doing very well in purchase. They're willing to get a much lower margin to gain market share. And we're going to see, I think it's possible I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it is possible that UWM ends up being the largest lender by volume at the end of the year. I don't think it's crazy to think that.
0: Yeah, last year, that would have been pretty amazing to think about. But to your point, I don't think you're crazy for thinking about that. And you think about that hardball pricing strategy that UWM is employing right now, that is is playing the long game. And that is Matt Ishbia's goal, right? He wants to win overall. He's not looking at this year, maybe not even next year. I mean, he wants to squeeze when people's, you know, margin pressure is already pretty great.
1: Yeah. And, and if you look at the leaderboard from 2021, just in terms of just straight up purchase mortgage originations, uh, Penny Mac was technically the largest, but I mean, that's mostly correspondent lending. And so, you know, I mean, Yes, it technically counts, but but in terms of their own originations, uh, you know, you what you kill, uh, UWM is is number one. And so they they originated, I think it was like 87 billion in uh purchase mortgages in 2021. And and their mix was a, almost 40% purchase. And you know, there are others that did better, right? So guaranteed rate, uh, US Bank, and a lot of the depositories were better in terms of just uh, their share, but UWM is really well positioned to uh, to to get that kind of business and Rocket. You know, Rocket does well on the broker channel. It is the second biggest wholesale lender in America. I don't want to take that away from them, but if you do look at the leaderboard, they originated about fifty-seven billion in purchase volume last year, according to Inside Mortgage Finance. That's about sixteen percent of the distribution. So. We're talking about a major shift here. And if it does remain a purchase market for the next year, I think it is very possible that Rocket will lose even more ground to UWM. What this means, you know, over five years, over 10 years, I mean, geez, you know, if, if we looked at even who was in business in 2010, you know, and, and asked somebody today, um, you know, who do you think would be top of the leaderboard, uh, you know, unless they were in mortgage, they'd probably uh, be, be very wrong. So, um, it's, it's an industry that, that is, um, pretty brutal and, um, you know, a lot can change in the course of even two, three years. So, uh, I, I think it's fair to say that UWM, uh, is, is doing pretty well in, in this cycle and they're well positioned to, uh, do well in purchase, but there are a lot of other lenders out there. Um, you know, there are 4,000 something mortgage lenders in America and, and even Rocket that had, not even ten percent, you know, overall market share. Um, so it it is a hugely diverse uh, market, you know, in, in terms of mortgage. And so even if you are king of the hill, what does that mean for market share? Eleven percent, maybe twelve percent, you know. Like it's it's um it's it's such an interesting game, and um you know, and I, I want to see how Rocket responds to this. You know, they they do have a really well oiled machine in terms of refis. There's reason to think, you know, if, um, if if rates do tick down, that that does create kind of a mini, like a very mini boom when compared to the last one, right, uh, for refis. But, you know, whenever you have a lengthy period of purchase, especially in a high rate environment and rates fall, that is going to represent an opportunity for some people to refi again. And so, you know, Rocket again would would be um, in a good spot if, if they want to capture that kind of business. And, and you know, they're, they're definitely um, still going hard in in the broker channel. They are not just saying, Oh, okay. UWM like you in this round. That's that, you know, they're, they're definitely very, very serious. I know they're going to be launching new products for their, their broker partners later this year. It's anyone's game. Um, and, um, and it's a pretty exciting one for, for the broker, uh, landscape, at least, you know, this is a great, great, um, story for the broker channel. Absolutely.
0: Well, I also think that, um, you know, as we've had uh, mortgage rates drop, they never went as high as some people feared, right? And we got into the sixes and and that was painful. And, and you know, we've seen the, the effects on the different mortgage lenders. But thankfully, they never got higher. And now they've come back down and it looks like they might uh, continue to to be in this range or a little bit lower, despite what the Fed is trying to do. Um, so that's that's going to, you know, that's gonna spur some things. We did have a story about, you know, mortgage rates drop, but not enough to spur lending. But I do think homeowners or home buyers who are like, okay, I need to jump in right now while while I've got a little bit of an advantage.
1: Yeah. I, I mean if if I were, let's say, hypothetically speaking, if I were looking for a home right now, uh, a new home, and you know, my my credit score is good, my finances look pretty okay, my 401k has weathered the storm, so to speak. And, and I look at kind of where things have been all the volatility and, and I talk to a, you know, an LO or a broker today, I would say, I really need to jump on this. You know, now is the time to act, um, that hasn't fully happened. You know, it, it does seem that if we do remain in the low fives, I think that's going to bring a lot of purchase business back on the table that people had maybe previously written off because you know, you you just don't know the volatility is so great and, and, and it could be triggered by so many different factors, right? Like let's say there's uh, an even stronger escalation in in Ukraine, you know, I mean that could that could completely change the trajectory of, of how the mortgage markets are moving. And so, um, I think there are a lot of people that have been kind of sitting on the fence and wondering, uh, do I wait till so they get even lower? You know, like they, they are gonna get lower, right? It's not it's not likely that this will remain in the fives or sixes for more than a few quarters. Um, it also makes you wonder, are there going to be sellers? Are they going to return? Because in a lot of cases, you know, they're, they're also operating in that same environment. Like, okay, you sell a home and, um, and, and now that there are more buyers because rates are on the low fives, that's great. But you also have to buy a home and unless you're doing it in cash, do you want to finance, um, you know, at that point, maybe you want to wait until they're in the fours, and maybe you say, "I'm going to wait until my home equity is even stronger." And um, and so, yeah, it's 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 still, I think, a, a really confounding market. And you can talk to any expert out there, and you might get ten different, you know. Uh, Forecasts for what happens over the next six months. I I think it's it's hard to tell with how the MBS market, you know, the secondary market mortgage bonds where they're going to move. It's it's all so so volatile, so variable, and um, so if if you're well positioned, if you find the house, if the seller, you know, is reasonable, and um, you know probably not as many bidding wars for you to to worry about, um, it's probably a good time to pull the trigger. You know, it's just who knows. I, I could easily see rates going into the sixes as I could. the fours.
0: Well, and and the adaptability required of lenders and the other companies trying to manage this in the last three months and going into the the rest of the year, you know, hats off to them for (laughs) figuring out how to do this. And, you know, okay, we're laying people off, but then we might need some of those people back. And mean, it's just, it's just rough. And we are not, I think even if, if mortgage rates remain at this or go a little bit lower, we haven't seen prices decline that much. We have seen them flat. You know, they, they've definitely not continued their skyrocketing growth, but they haven't fallen off by the 20 or 30% that you would really need to get even back to a baseline of what what used to be, you know, what what the median price was. So, you know, you've got that too. You, you have people who are looking at this who say, you know, it's not like, oh, okay, I just need to wait for the prices to go down the next three months. They may not.
1: Right. They've only really dropped in one major metro market, which is San Francisco you know, and that, that might be related more to kind of the, the, the own uh, sort of interesting factors around San Francisco being fueled by tech money, you know, and and tech is obviously down right now, and fewer IPOs and, and just less money, right, in San Francisco than there had been. And so, you know, that that might be kind of a unique market situation. And, um, you know, we're, we're still seeing price gains in, in a lot of other markets. I, I think what we're not seeing as much of, it's just the, the animalistic craze for, for homes, you know, I'll take it, whatever it is, (laughs) you know, yeah, it doesn't have windows. I don't care. I'll get it. You know, Um, I I think kind of that, that rush, the gold rush is gone. Um, And, you know, if you're a buyer out there, you have to be serious, but if you're a seller, you also can't just name your price. You can't just kind of wait for a bidding war. Um, My, my in-laws, their, their old house is back on the market and they sold their house for i think it was like 250 in central connecticut 5 years ago and it's now back on the market and, and by the way the people who bought it from them have terrible tastes and so i think that's maybe <laughs> a factor in why you know it's it's maybe not getting top dollar but they're listing it only at 300 and you know so it it is definitely appreciated in 5 years i mean that's that's still significant price appreciation but if you took that same house you put it into a lot of other markets like a you know a a boise or an austin or a lot of the sunbelt parts of north carolina you know you would have seen last year that same property listed for like double what it was right and and i think there's there's less urge there's less maybe realtors are are the ones who are talking down these clients saying look you just you can't do that anymore you have to be real or it's going to sit on the you know the mls for 8 weeks and you're going to have to price cut and it's just not going to go anywhere and you need to give people a good number and you'll find a buyer. There are still buyers. It's also, you know, it's a demographics game. We just, we do not have enough homes, especially in desirable markets right now. And, um, and so that's, that's really going to kind of govern what happens. You know, the old adage in real estate is like, it's not always just location, 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 it's price, price, price. And if you price it reasonably, it'll sell in any market. Um, There's just, you know, housing is both a commodity as well as, uh, you know, a place that you need for for shelter. And so there are enough buyers, um, whether there are enough sellers remains kind of a question. You know, we, we talk about inventory ticking up and it's getting better, but I mean, it's, it's not like you're listing your house, Sarah, I'm listing my house. You know, there are so many people who did buy in 2020, 2021, did really well, have a lot of equity in their homes, or just don't see a reason to move right now. Um, You know, maybe they push it off. Maybe they want to wait until, um, you know, they they know how things are going. Maybe, you know, you wait until you're, uh, let's say you're an empty nester, but you wait two years to see uh, how it's all shaking out with your kids in college. Um, I I just, I don't see a huge amount of uh, inventory coming online and and I don't think that's going to happen for a while, if ever
0: we see the the amount of time that people stay in their home has just increased and and you know it's something you and i've talked about if you locked in one of those super low rates and you've got all this equity in your house you're sitting pretty and and it's one of the ways that you can feel like you've done a great job and you're making money and you've you've you know are are climbing financially when inflation's you know inflation's bad a lot of other things might make you not feel that way but you're like hey but i've got a i've got a three point you know two five 30-year fixed, and and my house has gained this much. I mean, it's just not the same market if you go out there. So I think that we are going to see housing tenure even increase after this refi boom, understandably, right? People are, you know, people made their money and um, now have a fixed low debt. And one of the things Logan always talks about is that, you know, compared to a renter, inflation hits you less when you're a homeowner because your payment doesn't go up. Like you, you're locked in for 30 years.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. And and I I think what's interesting is is even if we do get a little mini refi boom to come from, you know, rates dropping from the sixes and high fives, whatever, we probably saw like a once in a lifetime event, you know, of the 2020, 2021 refi boom. And so let me give you an example. So I I have a weekend house in Pennsylvania and it was cheap comparably. We bought it for like 220 and we got our mortgage rate in September of twenty twenty one for two point seven five. And so like, that's incredible, right? That is like historically incredible. It's, you, you would have to buy down so much in points in a normal market to ever get anywhere close to that. And, and we didn't have to do anything like that. So I'm now looking at making improvements to my home. And so, you know, it's more of kind of a weekend place. It's not really great for winter because the insulation is poor. So should I add vinyl siding on top of the wood siding? Should I do a mini split system? Should I do you know, all that. And, and I think, okay, well, maybe in another lifetime, when rates were all normal, I would have considered, you know, um, a cash out refi and and put that money back in. But then I'd be refining back into the fives. And so now I'm a consumer who's thinking, is it just smarter to keep the 2.75 and get a personal loan to finance renovations or a HELOC or, you know, other products? Because kind of a, you know, a a more normal refi just doesn't make sense because I'd have to give up that rate. And there are so many people who will just look for any option to avoid giving up their 275 or 3.0 or, you know, there are people who got two fives, like they do exist, right? And like, how could you ever incentivize them financially? If you're a lending company, you have to go at equity.
0: Well, and we've seen uh, just a boom sort of in the HELOC market. In fact, uh, Rocket just announced that they're going to have a HELOC product here before too long. And and lots of other people, Loan Depot, uh, lots of other people have have seen that that's the writing on the wall. And that is what people are looking at.
1: Yeah, but it's also, you know, this isn't kind of a traditional marketplace for non-banks. You know, like they've they've never really done this uh, as as an industry, you know, there are some, of course, who have had personal loans and other stuff. And like SoFi, you know, has always had products like this. Um, but it's just not really... I wonder how many of them are really set up to do HELOCs or, you know, a home home loans uh, at scale and, and to do it efficiently and effectively. And that, that's really a place where customer service and smarts are required. Because it's not a formula. Like you're you're really getting into the weeds because you're dealing with existing equity, you're dealing with homeowners directly. You know, like you don't have liaisons to jump through. Um, it, it could be tricky to to nail that down. Um, and and really, you know, it's it's been an area in which traditional depository banks and credit unions have really dominated. And they're not going to easily give up, you know, the the HELOC market unless they really want to get out of um, mortgage and, and home equity all together, and I I don't think there's a reason for them to do that. You know, it's not a hugely risky market at this point. You know, we're not seeing big defaults on HELOCs or anything like that. You know, it's it's still credit-wise a pretty strong space. Uh, so I'm, I'm really interested to see how some of the non-banks are going to going to try to make a mark on HUAX and, and home equity loans in general. Um, but it's, it's too soon to say, I I don't know of any out there that have really done this, um, effectively and at big volume. So it's kind of a wait and see.
0: This whole market environment is, as we said, it's, it's unique, it's unprecedented, it's all those things. It's also endlessly fascinating to see who is going to be able to adapt in a way that, that first of all, they can just survive. When you think about some of these, um, lenders, especially smaller lenders, if they've, you know. Maybe they've been doing stuff the same way for a long time. It's hard to imagine how they're managing through this. And then at the top, some of those uh, companies we've already talked about, UWM, Rocket, Jockeying for Position, just endlessly fascinating for us and and really fun to cover.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is really <laughs> – um, this is kind of the time you, you see what people are made of. Uh, famously, people in the industry say, you know, a monkey – could have made money during the mortgage boom of 2020 and 2021. Um, right. <laughs> you know, like it, it wasn't hard because rates were were nothing. And there were so many people who had a financial incentive to, to get a mortgage or to refi or, you know, to to kind of focus on, on home buying or, or that experience, you know, all, all these lifestyle trends kind of spurred by the pandemic. But now, you know, a lot of that easy business, it's gone. And it's been gone for months and months and months. And who's still left? It's really people who move for a reason, you know, whether it's to be closer to family or due to circumstance, you know, a birth of a child, death of a family member, you know, loss of a job, whatever. Right? There, there are all these kind of like life events that occur, and so you know, you you really have to run a different company to find them than, hey, let's go through a database and see who had a mortgage at four point two, and say, hey, we'll give you one at two seven, like. You know that's not, that's not that hard. It's really not that hard, and and to do so when you have, uh, you know, staffing wise been ready to do billions and billions and billions of business that is no longer there. You know, you have to think a lot about the operations. A lot of these companies are restructuring now, like completely selling entire parts of their business, looking for mergers, acquisitions. You know, it's it's a totally different landscape, and and. Some companies are are well positioned and and well constructed to, um, you know, thrive during a refi boom and, and others are, you know, maybe slow and steady during a refi boom. And, and then they're, they're way better positioned when, uh, you know, it's, it's really only a purchase game. And so if, if purchase is 80% of the market and there are only so many homes in America that are being sold, it's a zero sum game, you know, and like not every lender is going to, to survive. And there are what four thousand something lenders. You know, I, I think it's very realistic to think that some of the small and medium sized lenders, and even some of the large ones, you know, that were really, really um, diving in with both feet to to the refi market and didn't set up an infrastructure to really nail purchase, whether it's relationship with realtors or financial advisors or lead generation. Although I th- have questions about, you know, how how wise that a strategy. Um, they, they might just go under, they might get sold, you know, for parts, for pieces, or, you know, for, for very little. And, um, and only the strong will survive.
0: James, thank you so much for being on today. Thanks for giving us the update on all these really important stories. Really glad that your uh, newsroom is keeping us abreast of everything from earnings to, you know, how companies are adapting.
1: Yep. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah.